0: I looked at my phone and it told me that I spend about seven hours scrolling a day. And I think if you looked at yours, you'd be pretty shocked as well. If you spend seven hours a day reading something, that's the modern-day library. That's where you're getting most of your information.
1: Warning, this podcast may include hard-hitting truths, shocking revelations, and outrageous social secrets. You won't see your life in the same light after this. But if you're ready to face the reality of an always online world, keep listening. This week's episode of Social Minds was a very special one because we got to grill Stephen Bartlett, our own CEO of the Social Chain Group. Now, we went in there with the idea of grilling him on predicting the future of social media and innovation and where it's all heading. And naturally, the conversation took a completely different turn into all kinds of different areas.
2: Yeah, uh, completely unscripted. It, it, I think halfway through the podcast, we just sort of left the script to one side and left our original questions and started talking about all manner of things, from relationships to the perils of Instagrams, the benefits of social media, where we are now, where we're going to be tomorrow, and really, this was an opportunity. I think that not many interviewers get to, to sort of really get into Steve's head and the and the mind of a CEO of one of the fastest growing agencies and social media publishers out there so i think this is full of surprises and you're really really going to enjoy it now a quick note a bit of housekeeping as i always say we would love it so much if you could leave us a review on wherever it's possible to do so where you're listening be that itunes or spotify um really 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 helps us and really keen as always to hear what you thought to the people who have been leaving reviews already, thank you so much. It's great to know your feedback and really, really hope you enjoyed this episode. How do you go about predicting the future of social?
0: Um, I think generally, I think when it comes to predicting the future, for me it's, it relies on common sense. And I think the answer to the question is that better wins, right? So mm-hmm. like, whatever I perceive to be a better alternative on a number of factors for me is um, innovation and it's the future so like you know ubers is a great example of that it was much easier and you know better to pick up your phone click three buttons um, and pinpoint the location and wait no phone calls no speaking to someone that might not understand you because of bad signal um no trying to tell them the address over the phone phonetically it was just a better process and i think the same whenever i think about innovation or what the right thing um to do is or trying to predict the future i just try and understand what better would look like and i think that um tends to be uh, where the future goes so even when we started social chain to me the numbers that i saw when i did um posts on social media versus when i handed out flyers were mm. uncomparable and so um when it came to me trying to sell social media to brands and they were laughing at us i just thought they were wrong and i remember I, the amount of times i've said going into a meeting um i don't feel like i'm selling to them today i feel like if they say no to us they're making a fundamentally bad choice for their business because i genuinely because i because you know m- my bet has always been what's better and um
2: and following that as the sort of north star and you, like some CEOs, like the sort of visionaries, the people um, who take these risks, that you, you seem to see better when the rest of us look and think everything's sort of been invented al- already. Mm. There, there's no more room for innovation. And you'll know as well as I know that innovation is a word that often gets bandied around a lot. And even when people you know think they're innovating, it's rare that they are. So where, 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 with that in mind, where does the next opportunity now for innovation look like um so if
0: what you've said is true and i've got some kind of you know knack for being able to understand what the future looks like and go in that direction it's probably because i'm really like, unromantic about where I am now. I'm, like, really unattached to where I am now, and I'm excited um, about the opportunity of being first some, somewhere else.
1: I want to pick up on something you said before about Uber, mm-hmm. because when Uber came along, it was revolutionary. Mm-hmm. No one had thought about, you know, taxi rides that way before. Mm-hmm. But I wonder, can anyone do Uber again? or have, Is that you know, the peak innovation level for that sector?
0: Oh, um, absolutely not. Like, so you've got to just take it back a couple, of, uh, a couple of decades and then a couple of centuries. And at one point in time, there would have been no one on this planet that thought you could do better than using a phone to call someone. Mm. The, the mind would not have been able to go there because the technology didn't exist. You know, when you think about the process of calling an Uber, it's still imperfect. It's better, so we think it's perfect, but it's still terrible you know like so last night i was at my brother's house in london and i left his house at, at about 11 p.m at night and um picked up my phone walked outside his house gave him a hug walked outside the front door For whatever reason i don't have internet my 4g 3g just didn't work so in that case uber's broken Mm. and that's one tiny thing that can break a system so it's still imperfect i walk down the street i call my uber the pin placement slightly off Mm. the guy that come he's a bit rude to me um and then the journey from a to b it's questionable whether that was the fastest way there's so there's so many things within that process which are Uh, and it's also really expensive it used petrol you know Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. so there's you know you think about the the different sort of that whole system and the different components of it i would much rather like to call an uber just by thinking about it it'd be much easier and when you think about Neuralink and what elon musk is doing there he's trying to like interface the technology on on onto humans in a much smarter way um i'd also like the uber to and this is kind of where we're going with um with voice and other predictive technology is it, it will almost know that I was leaving the house because it saw me get up, it, you know, my phone, whatever, this Neuralink thing, saw me say bye to my brother. It understood that the, the fastest and cheapest way to get me home would have been at that moment in time, a taxi. Uh, and I wouldn't have had to call it. I would have walked outside the front door, the taxi would have shown up. Um, and I, you know, I wouldn't have to pet, you know, all these kinds of things. Um, could have been much easier.
1: So you think there's always room for improvement in a way?
0: There's, I think there's, there's, you got to define what improvement means. But I think there always is always room for improvement when it comes to tech technology. Mm. Um, and uh, and you know, Uber Uber won't live forever. Things will change. One of the things that will change is the the road system because that's broken as well. Mm. So the idea of traffic is a is a terrible idea. You know 2d transport system in a, a 3d world where we live underground and overground doesn't make sense so mm. you know and again elon musk is working a lot on hyperloop which is probably a better way you know so instead of me yeah. picking up my big mobile phone that runs out of battery and internet and you know touching the screen which at one point in time will, will seem like craziness um i might just uh, step onto a Neuralink, and because of my I step onto a Hyperloop and because of my Neuralink in my brain, it will charge me the minute I walk through the doors like um, Amazon uh, Go does when you just walk in and out of the store. And um, it'll know where I'm going based on my Neuralink as well. So, you know, things things can get better always. It just always feels scary now. It feels improbable and it feels like science fiction. And the world we live in is, we live in the future now. We live in our grandparents' future. And, you know, all of this stuff is, uh, even the way that people are hearing me now is, science fiction to
2: to a generation i think Mm. so this this almost strikes me as a classic chicken and egg situation as well there's there's when we talk about innovation who really has the power is it the users who are dictating these trends or is it the tech companies who are making the tech i think i mean who has the power i think i don't think anybody has the power i think
0: um I think the tech companies are the ones who have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> the consumer is a, a powerless thing. Like I think the con- consumer basically cares about better mm. as much as we mm. say no mm. I will I will never Um, I will never lose my human connection and use my smartphone to swipe through hundreds of pictures of people's faces to find love because love is about, you know, meeting people face to face. Like the consumer has a very sort of idealistic, romantic picture of how the future will look. Mm. But then better seems to to beat that every single time. So when I say to people, oh, you're going to lose your job to a bot. Like I could probably lose my job to a bot at one point because it's gonna be better at organizing things than I am. Um, people get really scared about that and they say, no, no, not me. But then, you know, innovation happens. And uh, when when it comes to decision-making, people will choose better. You know, people are so scared about this idea of putting uh, an interface within, uh, within like overlapping the, the human um, consciousness because they feel like it'll, um, you know, strip them of their power. But the truth is if I could become Hundred percent better, and remember a hundred percent more things, and wake up in the morning every time at the perfect time, and never miss a meeting, and be a hundred times smarter. I would be the first person in line to get Neuralink in in my body. You know,
1: I mean, um, it does sound like science science fiction, eh? But we um, read something the other day. It said. Over the past fifty years or so, innovation—it's still happening, but it's slowed way down. And my theory is because you think like back in the day when people were inventing things that hadn't been invented yet, they were just trying to meet like basic human needs, so like the telephone, uh, just things that we didn't have. And now it's not—it's not serving like a demand for things that we need. It's just things that we think would be cool or like improving what like things we don't need, or things we want, which is mm-hmm. why it's slowed down some. But I think to that end you know, innovation has to reach a certain like peak before we're too distracted with other things. Um, I,
0: I mean, I don't, I, I, even when people say it's slowed down, I'm like, what time scale are you looking at? If you look at, take the last 100 years versus the previous 100,000 years, like we've come a long way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you look at the last 200 years versus the last 200,000 years, like for me, the last, you know, they take the increase in specifically technology is like exponential. It just, you know, the way that the computer CPUs and RAMs double every single year. And, you know, I would, it depends. I, f- I think you've got to like really define what you mean by like what type of innovation is slowed because mm. in terms of technology, it's definitely not slowed. The the advent of like AI and all these machine learning technologies and automation is is like nothing I think we've ever, we could ever have
2: imagined. But um,
1: I guess it comes back to what you take from the word innovation
0: i guess so
2: yeah and also a question for you steve because you've uh, spoken a lot about relationships and um the what they look like in this sort of uh, hyperconnected hyper connected tech world Does there's all of this you know i know you say on a romantic level people look at innovation and and this and that but does this does it come at a cost and is that cost the human relationships? Yeah, it does cost. Yeah,
0: it all, like, I think a lot of people are going to be really, really, well, I think they already are, but I think a lot of people are going to be even worse um, in terms of their, like, their mental health and um, all these kinds of things. I think, um, and that's why I said it's probably the opposite when I said the word connection, like mm. anything that connects us, I define as social media. It's really more like a disconnection. in, in when you think about the, like the fundamental human needs of being having like meaningful connections and um, the things that helped us to survive as tribe animals because you know think about like 10,000 years ago we survived because we were in in tribes mm. and mm. Um, now we we live alone between four walls and I think much of the reason why we feel these these feelings like loneliness and anxiety and all these things is it's almost our calling to get back to our tribe mm. it's like we didn't mm. you know it's like it's like you take a uh, a a plant and you put it in a dark room, it it will wither and it will die because Mm. it needs light. And I think Mm. in the same way humans survived and evolved um, to need human connection. And so I think when we feel a lot of the things we feel it's because it's because we're not our psychological needs aren't being met. And I think social media technology, I think in the way that we built the first iteration of these things, like Facebook's and Snapchats and Instagram, um, we built it for under the presumption that the internet was uh, human connectivity, mm-hmm. and like Facebook's mm-hmm. mission is to like to connect the world, um, I think we've in the second iteration, people have started to learn that it, in fact it's doing the exact opposite. So mm-hmm. even Facebook came mm-hmm. out with statements saying that they don't want people to idly scroll. They did. Fa- uh, Mark Zuckerberg released a long statement saying that he had met with psychologists and. And all these things, and he was changing the algorithm now to um, promote meaningful uh, engagement. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you know, there was the Facebook executives that came out and said Facebook was um, destroying the the sort of m- fabric of society. Mm. And so I think in the second iteration, and you've got all these, you know, social networks now telling you how long you've spent on them. Mm. They're all tr- they're mm. all going in that direction suddenly, mm. because I think if you look at any research or any data. Over the last ten years, we've become fundamentally um, disconnected because of technology. There's a, um, a really interesting study which shows the when Americans are asked how many people have you got can you turn to in a time of crisis, the most common answer, not the average answer, the most common answer is now zero. A decade, just over a decade ago, the most common answer, the, the average answer, was five. So, you imagine in the space of a decade, as humans, we've uh, specifically this generation have, have now the most common answer is that they haven't got anyone they could turn to in, a, in time of a crisis. And I think that's probably because, you know, we're now more disconnected than ever
2: before. It's very isolationist. And I always think, just as you were saying that, I think in a time of crisis, no, I wouldn't turn to anybody. I'd probably turn to Google. Probably, I'd probably yeah. turn to a search box yeah. or something like that, Inverse, which is, yeah. which is crazy when you think about it. Mm-hmm. And for somebody who's been. Um, you know, it's fair, fair to say at the forefront of social media for quite a while, yeah. did you ever envisage it sort of taking this turn? Um, no,
0: no, no. I think, you know, because in the short term, you do feel a sense of connectivity. It's almost a bit like a drug mm. where you, you know, being able to speak to my, my sister in Japan um, instantaneously and see her felt like some kind of human connection. Um, but then, you know, that most of the time is actually just on WhatsApp. And Mm. really it's just Mm. tapping a piece of glass. And there's something which um, there's some, there's a lot of things about humans. I think we still don't understand um, to do with the chemicals um, that we exude and the ways that we, um, you know, if you think just this is going to sound really crazy, but I just don't give a shit. Like if you think about um, attraction, For me, attraction is a is a chemical thing. Like as much as my eyes play a huge role in that. Um I think anyone that's like felt attraction to someone will know that some people you're just attracted to, Mm -hmm. irrespective Mm -hmm. of how beautiful or pretty they are. You just have this like attraction to them and other people you don't. And that's nothing to do with your eyes or your ears, right? That's something deeper. And in the same way that like you've got chemicals like pheromones, um, I think maybe there's some kind of invisible chemical of like connection at play, which um, makes us feel um, good and complete when we're when we get affection and connection from humans in in real in the real world i think that's almost irreplaceable
2: i don't think technology can replace that you're drawn to an aura aren't you i know exactly what you're saying it's like when i met you know my girlfriend <laughs> about five years ago she had you know oh, she had go. an aura but it was a sort of like <laughs> okay. you know but there was you're right it's, it's when people say there's a lot of chemistry between us and I and I suppose it, yeah. when you have got stuff like Tinder, it's you, you're taking that element away from it, aren't you? You're mm-hmm. stripping that back, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I
1: fundamentally dis- uh, disagree with Tinder for that reason because it just feels so manufactured. But you're saying all this and so you believe all these things, and yet here we go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I have to ask. Your your <laughs> yeah, job yeah. is to keep yeah. these businesses thriving, even mm-hmm. like the platforms. They're bowing yeah. to pressure for time well spent, etc. Are you?
0: So here's a here's a great thing. Um, if Imagine if I knew this and I wasn't saying it, wouldn't that be more uh, like morally corrupt? And also, yeah. and also, is anyone better placed to lead the charge and to send that message than someone who now run, is running the biggest social media agency in the country? Probably so it, like, I, do you know what I mean? So I get to speak on more stages than anybody else about social media. If I make a video about social media, which I'm making one uh, today actually, um I guarantee you that video will do more than 10 million views on Facebook and it's about social media and relationships. And um so I think as well as knowing something, one thing you can do when you think something is, is broken is you can run from it and disassociate yourself from it, mm. or you can try and fix it from the inside. And I think that's much of what, what I what, what I do. And people whenever I post about social media being negative, I get the same thing. That's why I knew what you're gonna say. <laughs> well, you're there. and I'm like I'm I'm like, um well, you know, you should actually I think I think people should applaud and this is a strange thing to say, asking people to applaud you, but I think they should applaud you for, for not being motivated by the financial incentive because obviously it's in our, my financial incentive to say social media is perfect in the future and the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I just, I don't care. So I care about the truth and whatever that means, um, that's what I care about. Um, I do think there are, you know, can, uh, technology can do great things. It can make, you know, what's a good example of a social technology that's driving positive change? You know, Fitbit. Mm-hmm. You only got to walk around the office, especially over that side, to see the little Fitbit wall going on, where mm-hmm. people are competitively exercising against each other to hit the top of the leaderboard. There are applications of technology that I think, um, and even in my home in Brooklyn, like I've got a scale that I stand on every single day, and it sends to, the minute I stand on it, it sends to my phone a report of my my body fat, how much water I should I've not drank or have drank, everything. This whole breakdown of a report that goes to my phone every single morning, and that incentivizes that that is informing my diet because Mm, I know mm. that oh god I had that really bad thing last night and I see it the next morning Mm -hmm, and I see the mm -hmm. direct impact. Before I was I was in the dark also when I'm in my bathroom, my toothbrush. I pick up my toothbrush in the morning and I brush my teeth and I get a report sent to my phone which tells me the percent it shows me my whole mouth in a 3D model. And it will show me the parts of my mouth that I missed. So and it will say It'll tell me to either pick, back, pick my toothbrush back up, and because I always miss this one part of my mouth, and it'll basically gamify the process. So I'm stood there in the morning trying to get to 100%, and that's you know probably k- keeping me healthier, keeping me out of a, the dentist, and all those things. So I think there are ways that technology can inform us and make our lives better, um, but. You know, there's also ways that we, we still need to work on. I don't think social media is the devil or evil. I think it's mm. done a lot of damage. And I think that together we can make it better like everything else. You know, when we think about everything, we start every first innovation. It fucked up the world like petrol and um, mm. even like labor. We used to, like slaves. Do you know mm. what I mean? We, mm. we, we start with these initial assumptions about how something will go. And then we, we, we get more information and we improve on it. As a, as a society, and that's what I hope we'll do with social media. Because you know, definitely wouldn't let my kid have Instagram. You wouldn't? No way. Why? Because there's just so so much. When I think about, um, I did a post on my story this weekend. Did you see it about the the values? It's okay if you didn't. It was only a quick one. I think of did. But intrinsic values. In tele- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you know, this is a bit of a bit of a tangent, but um, I sp- I looked at my my phone. The settings section, and it told me that I spend about seven hours scrolling a day. Obviously, uh, you know the nature of my job, etc. But seven hours on applications that have a follow button every single day, and I think if you looked at yours, you'd be pretty shocked as well. That is a shocking um, number. Yeah, yeah. but let, I mean, what I mean, it's a right. shocking number unless it uh, with, without context. So seven hours scrolling a day. Um, interestingly, there's a lot of scientific studies. One in particular by somebody called Tim Kesser, which study how Um, the values that you have can contribute to your happiness or your lack thereof, so your depression or your anxiety and all these things. Mm -hmm. Really famous study by Tim Kesser, who wanted to find out if philosophers who said that our values could make us unhappy or happy were right. And so they did this big study Um, And what they found was people who were motivated extrinsically by external factors. For example, if you play the piano to try and get laid, to pay your rent, or to uh, impress people or whatever, Mm -hmm, you're mm -hmm. doing it for extrinsic motives, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or if you play the piano just because you find it rewarding in and of itself, that's an intrinsic motivation. You're doing it because you you enjoy it, Mm. you know? Um, So the study proved unequivocally that if you do, if you live your life for extrinsic motives, then you are... um, the achievement of extrinsic goals leads to zero increase in happiness. And in fact, the people that lived their life for extrinsic motives were angrier, more depressed. um twelve of the twenty two studies they did proved that you'd be more um you'd have higher levels of anxiety um, you'd be you'd have more despair and less joy in your life. And so you think, okay, so your values dictate your happiness. like the things that you think, you you know, you model your goals on and the why behind them, just decide whether you're going to be happy or depressed and unhappy for your whole life. And then there's this other study, which they conducted on two groups of kids. They got one group of kids and showed them an advert for a toy. They, they with the second group of kids. They didn't show them the advert for the toy. After that, they, they asked the kids who they wanted to play with, either a boy that was really nice um, or a boy that was really mean. Mm. Uh, but the boy that was really mean had the toy. All of the kids that saw the ad wanted to play with the really mean boy with the toy. All of the kids that didn't see the ad wanted to play with the nice boy. And what that kind of shows is one advert, one thing that you can see, can make you choose an inanimate lump of plastic over the possibility of like a meaningful connection with a good person. Which again, um, so if one advert can change your values and what you what you consider to be important and your motives then you can't imagine how many of my values have been changed uh, by scrolling for those 7 hours a day and mm-hmm. i think how many of those 7 hours were fill were full of um posts and content that um motivated me to do things intrinsically for the for the joy of it to be a better friend or to be a better dad you know those kinds yeah. of things yeah. probably none of them
2: so you're, you're talking about there um steve if I, if i'm if i'm not mistaken this whole culture that surrounds living your best life yeah you're, in a, in a sense, from what I'm hearing, you're saying a lot of people on Instagram are so-called living their best life. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, best they're life. not living their best life, are they? No, it's like the, it's like I'll, I'm, the I'm living my most likes. That's probably yes. makes more sense. That's, like, that, is know. that what you change it to? The same, yeah. Sort of
0: yeah, it's definitely not your best likes, and it's actually for me, it's a really scary path to run down. But I think that's so, the path that social media. If you want to get the most likes, generally speaking, mm. you have to kind of be on holiday somewhere. Yeah, and you have yeah. to be at the right angle yeah. with the right, you know, your back, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, You've yeah, gotta be looking, you know you've got to try to you know, make people jealous in some degree. And that's where a lot of us build our self-esteem or we'll get our, well, our false sense of self-esteem and, build,
2: and get our sort of clout, I think the word is now, um, from... Why, but why do we do that? Why? Uh, <laughs> the, where does that stem from? Because uh, uh, we say likes that... are the... So, I've, I've, they're not of any monetary value, are they? Really? But I mean, we've been cultured to
0: believe that the way to the path to happiness is via the achievement of these extrinsic goals. So, um, status, for instance, is, mm-hmm. a, is is a part component of that. If I am high st- status or I'm perceived to be high status, then I will get more things mm. in a uh, in the real world so if you think that i'm a celebrity for instance when i walk into restaurants and bars and when i talk to girls or when i um you know ex- general exchanges with people i'll get f- i'll get stuff Influencers are a great example they get f- given free stuff they mm. get mm. invite like and i know a girl who uh, it was my ex-girlfriend now she's an influencer she's been flown out to another country um and she just gets to you know to party and to da da when you think about that it's crazy because um what, what what you're saying there is if I ch- achieve my extrinsic goals, I'll get more extrinsic stuff and mm-hmm. then I'll get more extrinsic mm-hmm. stuff and then more extrinsic stuff. So it's like the the more of this fake you know status thing that you get, mm-hmm. the more opportunity you get to get more status. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. it's this never ending path of, of that goes, all the science says goes nowhere. It goes to a really unhappy place. And you've only got to know a couple of, uh, this is a g- general sweeping statement, but... You've only got to know a couple of people that live in that way um, to versus someone that doesn't at all. You know, someone that's not even on social media to follow that, mm-hmm. just like, you know, takes care of their kids or their and their wife. And they just, you know, they keep things to themselves to, to see a difference in like real happiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get rid of all the social media posts and all the, you know, f- flattering angles. Um, if you know someone on that level, you, you probably know that deeply they're unfulfilled. And I know, so. And it was when I was 25, someone that I really admired on social media told me that they'll never be happy because they always want more. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was like, fuck, I've been guiding my life based on you, like mm-hmm. on the load, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then other people, other you know, when I started dating that girl and she told me that she was suffering really badly with um, debilitating anxiety and depression, I'd saw her, you know, really pretty girl that I'd followed for five years got to know her and she's just absolutely destroyed Like in every which she's on depression pills she uh is always anxious she drinks to to su- subdue the anxiety but then obviously when you do that it comes back stronger the next day mm-hmm. really mm. horrible but people her 200,000 followers are running down that same path behind her right behind her because they think she's living her best life in ibiza now free because of this brand has flown her out there so it's a it's a trap and I think over the last couple of years, I've just tried to do my best to understand and navigate away from that trap, you know? Mm. And tell as many people as I can to, to, and also try and be a good example, you know? I yeah. even feel guilty now because I posted a photo of my house on the weekend, on my sofa, right, on my Snapchat, right. and loads of people messaged me, I love your house, house girls, da-da-da. And I thought, <laughs> and I thought, and I thought, God, that was really really not not a good thing to do because then the people behind me are all going to spend their lives trying to get a nice sofa Mm. and that's irresponsible you know
1: do you think that sorry sorry, do you think that pattern is something that can be changed in the platforms no no
0: it's a reflection of humans it's nothing to do with the platforms it's a reflection of human beings do you not think it
1: brings out the worst in us because there's good and bad
0: it brings out the real in us if you change people, have, I've talked about this before, like if you change the YouTube algorithm to stop showing Logan Paul and Jake Paul, we won't go to YouTube. Like the the algorithm just gives us more of what we want to see and more, mm. and more more of what we engage with. The, the platform itself is just designed to bring out what humans want, basically. Um, and it's the things that rank highest in your timeline that you engage with, with most. The stories you see most often are the ones you touch the most. Mm. So you're mm. you're the one that is is driving. Your values
2: are driving... Uh, what, what you see it's you're curating this life essentially oh, it yeah. sounds like the um, the mirror on the wall analogy mirror mirror on the wall show me what I want to see mm, exactly and, and, more, and you're in control and that's of exactly that. what you see that's who you choose
0: to follow you know is a reflection of your values so on the weekend and I do this a lot of times I'll tell you a little story. I, there's this girl, she um, she followed me. No, she, she followed me for a long time. She started DMing me on the weekend and I'm on this plane and I look at her profile. I thought, oh, she's really pretty. You know, I'm single. So I thought, oh, maybe I'll talk to her or whatever. Mm-hmm. I click on it and, and I follow her. And as the plane is flying through the air, she uploads all these stories. And she's just, you know, it's like the epitome of extrinsic values. Like in some restaurant taking selfies, like posing, mm-hmm. you know, probably, you know, um, got a few modifications to say the least. And I just, I I almost, because I'm able to almost predict how I'll feel or mm-hmm. how this person will make me feel. I almost felt sick in terms of mm-hmm. like, I felt like just watching her life was corrupting me. Mm. And so i I unfollowed her immediately and I did that long post about values. That's why I did it because I'd followed this person, you know, because they look kind of pretty. And then four hours late, later into this flight, I just thought if I, if I followed a hundred people like you for five years, what what kind of person would that make me? Mm, horrible because the person. Backstory. It would make me a horrible person. We don't we don't like to believe we're being brainwashed because we think we like to f- have this sense of we're in total control. Mm. It's bullshit. You've only got to like reflect on different phases of your life where you like different types of music and you dress differently mm. to understand that your environment or the the immediate influences around you fundamentally changed what you are interested in. And I don't want to I don't want to be that person. That's why I also don't post stuff on my Instagram about about my life and such, you know. Mm-hmm. I tend to post quotes and information because I feel like that's probably a more responsible use of social media.
2: This this is a real sort of revelation for us because I think, a of, you know, naturally, a lot of people look at you and, you know, it's fair to say you've completely um, built up this cult following, you know, of people who will hang on your words, um, be that brands or mm-hmm. be that people who are interested in social media or be that people who just want to be uh, a CEO mm. or, or whatever young people, old people, so on, so forth. I'm just going
0: to read you a message no. by someone that works oh, here. Please do. They've worked here for many a year. They said, um, Hey Steve, I watched your Instagram story today. Jesus. It really connected with me. It was so timely with my current mindset. Um, I've spent this afternoon literally clearing out all of my social feeds on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, the lot. Have to get rid of all that trash. And my, and my library has completely changed for the positive. appreciate all the advice. And so what he means by the library is because on the post, I said, your timeline is your library. Mm. If you think about if you spend seven hours a day reading something like that, that's the modern day library. That's where mm. you're getting most of your information. Mm. Um, anyway, I've l- legitimately gone from following 400 people on Instagram to now only following 150 um such an example of how much I needed to clean clean up my library. I've spent most of my life living for the values that you described negatively. I've spent most of my life stunting and flaunting, which I'm a really bad culprit for. um, And it's certainly not made me happy. I'm now only following people that inspire me or that I agree with their values. And I got loads of messages like that, hundreds of messages like that. And for me, that was rewarding because um, all of the science and my opinion both... um, heavily agree that all those people that did that, that decluttered the values of, of their library that, mm. that weren't um, in line with being, making you happier, um, I think they'll be happier.
2: You'll hate this word, but do you feel to some degree, for somebody who, like I like would say again, who, who has been at the forefront, do you feel almost like a messiah? Like you've um, seen the worst, it's right. I think, people, I think in some
0: effects. respects, we're all messiahs for the experiences we've had. I see it mm. as like, I've climbed up this ladder And I'm just like, I know what's up here. Mm -hmm. So I'm like turning back down and shouting to everybody, don't come up this way. Mm -hmm. Like, no, Mm -hmm. no, 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 no. And that's what we all do with all of our lives, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you've been in a relationship, you can give like relationship advice and you can shout back down the ladder. And so I think with my own experiences, um, I've been a young kid at 18 that was completely broke and literally shoplifting food to feed myself um, to, and you know, being a, because my whole childhood we didn't have anything. We didn't have Christmases, birthdays, didn't have a thing. So I was obsessed with getting stuff mm. because you are when you, when you know that every friction in your life, you're, the reason why your mum and dad don't love each other is because there's no money. Mm. You you become obsessed about the thing that you think will fix it. So that was my my um, presumption. So I I focused my life on that. Got there, realized that in fact, fuck, that's not that's not it. So I shout back down the ladder. I'm like, listen, everyone else who's going about to make this mistake that I I made at one point, like. Don't make it. Um, I feel like that's more the, more of what I'm doing. Is um, I'm just learning a bunch of stuff, and because I, because I can, I'm just shouting back down. And, it, and the the thing is, uh, it's also not that I'm proud of myself because it's actually, in many respects, you'd think it wasn't in my interest not to just like flaunt and like uh, and like show off a bit. Mm, you think mm. probably probably if I did, I I'd, I'd probably have I probably wouldn't be. I probably find it easier to date, for instance. Sure, sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I would um you know, and things like that, you know. So if my Instagram wasn't just all quote pictures when a girl met me, it'd probably be easier to, to date. You know, if I did all the, the posy stuff. Mm-hmm. But you gotta ask yourself what the what the um what the actual like North Star is, what the what the fundamental objective. The objective isn't to your life's objective isn't to date someone that wants you because of how your Instagram looks. Mm, the the mm. objective in life is to be happy. That mm. always has to be the thing that you come back to. Is this more or less likely to make me happy? And so, um, you know, in the short term, I might not have as much interest, but, you know, long term, I'll be happy. So that's uh, but, worthwhile. But
2: what I'm what I'm keen on as well, and because and this this all, and Eve, you, you might be able to add something to this as well. This is all very um, enlightening and true on a personal level. And a lot of, you know, for the brands, for the marketers, whoever, who will be, I know it's not always about that, but who will be listening to this, they'll be, they'll have in the back of their head, delete Facebook, don't follow influencers, don't do this, don't do that. So how do you toe the line of being CEO of this social media agency, very successful and a shrewd businessman, whilst at the same time... Mm -hmm. um, saying what the platforms are essentially doing in Mm. a way. Mm. Do you find that
1: sometimes your personal brand conflicts the interest of the brand of the business?
0: Um, Maybe in some respects, but um, to answer your question, I... Don't think the answer is to um, delete all social media platforms because there's a bit bit of an irony to the fact that you're listening to me right now on social media. Mm. And if this is a message Mm. for good, how would you have heard it if it wasn't for social media? Mm. So for for me, really, the key is to improve things that we invent with new information. And um, I feel like I'm just presenting some information um and yeah look. the irony is you wouldn't have had this information if i didn't have a platform of a million people i could speak to Mm. when i say that video about social media is going to go viral it can go viral out in the street with me on a megaphone no do you know what i mean so so it's a good thing we have platforms where we can communicate at that speed and if you think about all the all the things we've learned about the nature of the world and you know you've only got to look at the um when i talk about mental health the increase in conversation around mental health in the last six years. I posted a graph the other day. Yeah, I saw that. It's crazy. It's It's like seven years ago that no one used the word mental health. And like six, seven years ago. And then now it's, it's, um, I can't remember the numbers, but millions and millions and millions of mentions every single month on Twitter alone. Mm. And um, that is, it's just literally from nothing to straight up. And, um and if that ha- not all the way, but that has definitely helped to destigmatize it because mental health used to be something that made people run from you, and now it's something in many respects that makes people run to you. Mm. Like I mm. remember yeah, so. being young and hearing that someone had a mental health issue and thinking completely. This is completely what I thought. You are you are a, a, like a lunatic. Like you, you, you I should. You're crazy, mm. and I have to run away from you because mm. you you're dangerous, and I might catch it or something. Mm. And now it's my perspective because of the internet and the way that we've almost had to have this connected, conscious conversation together, we've managed to unpick the stigma a little bit and understand now that everyone has mental health, you know, mm. um, and uh, you know we have, phys- have mental health in the same way that we have physical health. In. And so that's I, I attribute that to social media because we had to have that conversation together
2: at the same time. It you seems like I mean? an accidental kind of uh, consequence of social media we always look at social media as being a cause of mental health but to Mm. me you saying that it seems like it's both accidentally 100% both it's it's
0: 100% helped to um, destigmatize it and
2: educate people and it's also helped to um, make it worse so now we come full circle how do you and other people in your field people like dom and people you know really sort of driving change within social media how do you innovate to make us better how 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 do you improve that landscape for your children for your children's children and so on so forth yeah i think the
0: more that i the more talking i do the more conversation i start in various places so anyone that listens to this now will hopefully um you know f- develop their opinion further even if they didn't have one on social media the good and the bad mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they will um speak up they will if they are in a position to affect change if they work at Facebook or Instagram which a lot of people that follow me on LinkedIn do um in those meetings when they're designing these tools they'll Probably be more conscious and aware, or, look, or at least, or at least they'll look to find out if what I'm saying is true or false, mm, um, mm. which is good because you know might might be wrong, um, and you know the, those are the people that can really uh, affect change. I see my, myself more as a um, as like almost like Neil deGrasse de Tyson says he's he doesn't he doesn't want to run for for president because he realizes that the president of the United States is actually just a reflection on what the people think. Mm, so if you can change mm. what the people think. Then you can then you you change you decide who the president is. Mm. And right now, the you know the people of America they were feeling a certain type of way. They were motivated by fear and things like terrorism and xenophobia. So the reflection of that was fifty one percent of them voted for Donald Trump. Mm. Um, so I, I think the role that I play is just uh, in using my platform to um, and my position um, to help inform people. Because if I say it, yeah, someone who doesn't it's not in my interest to criticize then, you know.
2: You're like the leader of the That's trade right. union almost go into the, the, big, the big players, the, the platforms and say, look, this is what X amount of people, this is what my experience tells me, and this is what my following think in a way, or? Yeah, I guess like I'm, I'm like Ronald McDonald telling you that burgers are bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or at least some things, some things on our menu, like or, not something's on our menu, but like uh, that, yeah, McDonald's, is, McDonald's isn't all good. And people are like, well, why are you saying it? You make so much money from it. Well, I'm like, I would have had to make the burgers to know. You know what I mean? Mm. I had yeah. to sell them to know. And
2: I'd have to spend all my time on social media to understand the good from the bad. So That's a very interesting point. Um, and one, I'm sort of coming towards the end of this podcast. I want to ask you, do you think that... Sincerely, do you believe... It's probably a hard question. Sincerely, do you believe that the platforms do want to elicit this positive change, that they do want to live in this utopian future when, as I've put the question to you, so much is driven by commercial gain and advertising yeah. and all of that? Can can you wear both hats?
0: There's, there's uh, 100% um, they're being pulled in both directions by different stakeholders. Mm-hmm. Um, old... M- unconnected money people that probably don't use the platforms um, probably don't care and they want to make a return on their in stock investment. Um, and then maybe younger employees within the company are much more conscious and connected to uh, the platform. So they probably want to change for the better. Uh, it's just being pulled in both directions. And honestly, what they'll try and do is fr- find a sweet spot where they can have commercial gain, but also be responsible with the, the mm-hmm. impact that these things are having on people. That's, I mean, does that sweet spot exist? don't know. Not my job to find out, but um
1: There's also the news lately that Ofcom might start regulating social media platforms. So it's it's sort of, you know, off the back of Cambridge Analytica and all the scandals that have gone on. Yeah. People have been calling for change for a while. Regulation. Oh, they don't but have it's a clue. sort of been like you, bolstered by that. Oh
0: god. Did you see them in the Senate? These yeah, people, I these did. And that, majors, that's why I wonder, you know,
1: how what's actually going to happen and what changes it gonna make? Because you've got people making rash judgments and decisions
0: mm. I would rather that don't understand the it. law just generally speaking stayed out of it because I just feel like if you, you're uninformed in and you try and put a law into place in an industry you don't know what you're doing yeah. Like you have no idea yeah. what you're doing and so the people that understand these things best unfortunately they work in the industry and so you Know the social platforms are making changes slowly, um, but they're trying to make changes without destroying their whole model. Their yeah, whole exactly. model. you're calling for self regulation so, in a way. Theresa May, is May isn't going to be able to, Theresa May isn't be able to tell, tell anybody, like tell Facebook what they should, what they have to do. She hasn't got a clue, she'll never, she never will either. Yeah. She'll have to spend five years of studying and re- she's not going to do that,
1: but they might tell them anyway without knowing what they're on about, which is why I worry if if they do that. Mm. and that like changes are made the platforms might lose sort of an essence of what they are
0: yeah i I, yeah my concern is always just like meddling with innovation because you're scared of it Mm. and then like ending up like censoring something Mm. or like Mm. you know people they've always talked about like censoring the internet and all this stuff like i hear every year that they're gonna potentially ban parts of the internet Mm. or just stay away from that
2: It it strikes me that they should self regulate, even if we get to a a point where Twitter keeps an eye on what Facebook are doing. And, you know, if we can get to this agreement where everybody, where there's almost a board of social media platforms are acting in one, that's probably the best idea. Maybe uh, it's probably the best idea putting together some kind of board. You should pick up some sort of, yeah, seems like a good (laughs) idea. And Um, the last question, this is one uh, that I know quite a a few people want to ask you. um, What does the social media landscape? Look like from your deathbed? It's quite a morbid end. As in, like, when I'm dying, what will it be like?
0: Yeah. Yes. What do you mean in like
2: 60 years to like whatever, 10 years, whenever I die?
1: Yep.
0: Fingers crossed. More what than does it look like when I die? going to be uh... technology How are is
1: communicating? Be... You know, what well, is social media even a thing?
0: It's just different. You know, it's just different. Um, technology is definitely not going to go, which is important. So, technology will definitely change though. So, we're still going to be, we're going to be, it's just going to be completely different. And I think it's going to be different based on the tech. So the speed of internet is going to enable new things that we could have done before. Um, the hardware is going to be completely different, um, as it always is. Um, whether that's, you know, I wear a contact lens in one of my eyes mm. and I can do everything I can right now with my smartphone, potentially. All of the predictions that I've heard that make sense um, talk about how it'll be sort of interlaced within, within us somehow.
2: Mm. Mm. Are you optimistic?
0: Um, yes, because there's like, there's no point in being pessimistic about the future. There is no point. There's, it's just, it just doesn't, for me, it just doesn't like, pessimism as a form of change is really use, useless. Um, optimism, I think, I think is a really effective form of, um, a really sort of effective change agent. So I think we should always be optimistic about the future or else it's really not worthwhile.
2: And lastly, do you ever fear that you might get it so wrong? In what respect? Uh, You might make a prediction and might make a business decision that impacts a lot of things. Would you be worried? I'm
0: good at making decisions based on... um things that I believe to be true, like these yeah. first principles. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, things change. And I, I'm, I always say that. I got a message from a big brand this morning saying, hey, Steve, um, we're doing this and, you know, what's what's happening with this? And I said, full transparency, I have no idea because that's one of those things that's, it's not predictable. No. It's someone in another part of the world sat behind a computer is doing something and we, so here are the, the, the likely outcomes, but mm. I have no idea. Um, yeah.
2: Steve, I admire your honesty and your (laughs) wisdom. Thank you very much for speaking to us.
0: Really, really enjoyed it. Really appreciated it. uh, Yeah, Thanks.
1: Enjoyed this episode? A like, a share or a quick review will enable us to bring you hard-hitting truths and outrageous social secrets every week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with Theo Eve and music by Pierre Flass.